Before we meet today's guest, I want to share a very special course I created so that you can have your very own podcast. If you've thought about starting your own podcast, but you aren't sure where to start, or maybe you have a general idea, but you need help getting it off the ground, this course is for you. And if you use the coupon code LAUDA, L-O-U-D-A, I'll give you 10% off. So for me, I started this podcast as a way to learn from people I otherwise would never meet and to have my voice be heard in a quick and easy way. So I truly enjoy sharing what I learn with you. And in the process, this podcast has boosted my confidence immensely. So even if you're shy, no worries. You can sit at home in your pajamas and still get your message out there. I cover multiple types of podcast formats. And this course is designed to teach anyone to create their very own podcast, any topic, any format for any reason. So go on over to loudavision.com and check out my quick course on how to hone your concept, create, record, and share your very own podcast. It's all online so you can go at your own pace whenever and wherever you like. Again, that's loudavision.com. And don't forget to use the special discount code LAUDA for 10% off. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening to the Louder Vision podcast for creative people. I'm your host, filmmaker, artist, and educator, Laura Mioli. The Louder Vision podcast is inspired by people who say they can't make money in a creative job, that doing what they love has nothing to do with paying the bills. And I completely disagree with that. I've spoken to dozens of artists and creative people who successfully use their creative skills to make a living. Just go back and listen to the past episodes at loudavision.com and you'll hear story after story of people who are passionate about their careers in the arts. As filmmakers, photographers, directors, musicians, podcasters, art therapists, variety seekers, and everyone in between, it is a roller coaster and it is tough. But I believe that we can make money doing what we love and we should find a way to monetize what we're good at. We spend five, six, or even seven days a week at work. Why should it be something we hate, something we're not good at? And then the things that we love doing, writing scripts or painting, whatever your creative outlet is, that we have to leave that, which we love, for the small portion of our day that should go to self-care and time for family and friends. So that's my stance on this debate. And my guest today is battling me on this idea. He's taking a break from his successful cinematography career. He's here to provide the other side of the creativity and money argument. And I know he's not alone. As artists, you're usually on one side or the other. So I want to hear from our listeners and fellow creative people. Can we make money doing what we love? Tell us your story and your side of the debate by tweeting me at Loudavision with the hashtag creative career or use that same hashtag on Instagram and show us your thoughts on this debate. Should we pursue a creative career? Find me on Instagram or Twitter at Loudavision and join this conversation. Today's guest is Valentin Farkash. He's an Austrian-American filmmaker and photographer, and he's the amazing cinematographer behind Community TV. That's the TV series I've been telling you guys about for a while now. So Valentin's beautiful work can be seen at valentinf.com, and you can connect with him on Instagram at norobotyet. I'll put all those links in the description. Hi, Valentin. Hey, Laura. <laughs> I just saw you at the screening. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so funny. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So we have a lot to talk about today. And first, I want to give people an idea of your background. So tell me about your family roots in film and theater. Okay. Yeah, sure. My mom was a stage designer and my dad was a TV cameraman. Like he did a lot of news. Oh, cool. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of 
grew up with both like the technical side and the creative side of telling stories. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I always had cameras around me growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like super common now, but I guess back then it was not as common. Yeah. And in Austria, right? You grew yeah, up in Austria? That's right. Yeah, I grew up in Austria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was like destined to get into one of those industries. <laughs> nice. So what inspired you to come to New York City? I never intended to stay in New York City. Oh. That's the funny part. Originally came here for like an eight-week program at the New York Film Academy because mm-hmm. I was working in TV back then as a camera operator. And it was great, but I kind of wanted to get more into the cinematic work and more narrative filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let's see, take a short program and those eight weeks turned into a year-long course, and that year turned into seven more years. Whoa. So, yeah. <laughs> so what was the reason you stayed? Were you just getting a lot of work? or? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let me think about that, because... Why did you stay in New York? Besides classes, obviously, like New York Film Academy yeah. is really cool, and their classes are really great. So one reason I stayed past my program was just because you have the option after you complete a one-year class to just stay for another year and work in your field of study. So I took that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And now it's a little bit more than two years that I've been here. You make friends, you have relationships, Mm -hmm. you think... Well, let me see if I can take this further. So I did that after brief going back to Austria over holidays. And I was like, okay, let's see what else I can do here. And, you know, of course, all my family was like, are you sure? Is that the right thing? (laughs) They're sad to see me go. I was like, yeah, let's leave. Mm -hmm. And I mean, New York is a great place for to work. No doubt. Yeah. So how has it been working as a freelance cinematographer and photographer? There are ups and downs. You never quite know what's going to happen. As a freelancer, right? As Mm -hmm. a freelancer, yeah. Yeah, so I've been exclusively freelancing over this whole time of the past six years. I'm living comfortably. I can't really complain, but it's not without struggle. Ooh, tell me about some of the struggle. Well, I mean, the main struggle is just that you can't really, like, plan on any long-term basis. Like, most of my projects are maybe a month out Mm -hmm. if i'm lucky but a lot of calls are just like hey are you available like tomorrow oh yeah true yeah so like planning anything or budgeting anything is just like it's a little Mm nerve-wracking yeah so you're constantly working here in new york city and that alone to a lot of people seems like you're winning and you're doing well and you're successful But tell us about your choice to take a creative break. Yeah, I was thinking about that because, yes, on a certain level, and I know a lot of people see me as successful Mm -hmm. and probably envy me for what I'm doing. But I obviously live through everything and know all the... New York is a great place to work. And I'm really, I'm really grateful for everything that I've had the, the... chance to do here but it's time for me to rearrange or like rethink what I want to do because it's so easy getting trapped in this like freelance rhythm of just like okay I'm doing this this month and then next month is gonna come and next month and over time everything gets better in general like Mm -hmm. I have more projects better projects I'm making more money than in the beginning but it's you never really get to a point where you're satisfied 
or at least I don't, because oh. there's always like the next thing. And there is this very similar to me. There's a graphic designer who's originally from Austria and is very successful in New York mm-hmm. for decades now. His name is uh, Stefan Sagmeister. Mm-hmm. And I saw an exhibit of his where he's been a lot delving into like the theme of happiness and work-life balance. And there I learned that every seven years, he takes a sabbatical, which is just like he closes down his whole like office, nothing gets done, but he just travels around and learns new techniques or like just hangs out with like other creative people and just takes a break from the regular rhythm. Okay. So I found that very inspiring and... I was like, I think that's a good idea. Okay. Just take a break for a while. So you're taking a break. What does that mean for you? Because I know when I try to go on vacation and I bring my camera, it's not a break. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. When I go on vacation, I tend to not look at my phone. Mm. That's like a key part of that. Yeah. But for this longer sabbatical, it's for me, the key is really to get out of the worrying about what's going to happen next month. So okay. I do want to look into other creative things to do. And I have a couple ideas that I want to accomplish in that time. But I'm also taking a regular job. Oh my God, like, no. Yes, yes. <laughs> For me, I mean, it's going to be, I don't have anything uh, solid yet. I have a couple ideas that I want to follow through, mm-hmm. but they're all like very menial tasks where you just like clock in and out and you just know you have your paycheck at the end of the month mm-hmm. and have the rest of the day to yourself. Okay. So here's where I stand on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are compromises because... Yeah. For me, I couldn't see myself doing something that was something that I'm not good at, something that I don't enjoy. And then going home, that time for me would be time that I want to spend with my family or time that I want to spend relaxing, self-care, all those things that are really, really important to me. Mm-hmm. And so if I had a job that where I didn't get to be creative, I wouldn't have any time for myself because I'd go home and want to work on my projects. You see what I mean? Sure, sure. For me, that's how my brain works. So yeah, your thoughts. I mean, a big reason for that is just to free up my brain space to be creative mm. because talking about compromises, so much, so many projects of what you work on, if it's your full-time job, is about making compromises. Mm, That's true. You never have enough time, budget, people, location, whatever. Especially as a cinematographer, you're always tied to somebody else. And I have a a couple of projects that I really want to do by myself. Ah, okay. And so I just want the freedom of not worrying about money. And Mm -hmm. the creative part is going to come by itself. Like, I've never not made anything if that makes sense yeah no definitely i understand you know if i was in school i was like drawing around on paper i've basically since i've been i don't know 13 i think i got my first own camera and since then i've been taking photos like Mm -hmm. basically every day so the creative part is i don't really worry about that Mm -hmm. yeah because creativity i mean for a lot of artists and for anyone, really, creativity is an outlet for stress. We're learning about ourselves. It can be art therapy, which I spoke about in a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Creativity is 
a great tool for anyone and for everyone, especially dealing with anxiety. I understand you're not going to give up being creative, but it sounds like you're going to limit the amount of hours you get to be creative because we spend a lot of time at work. Yeah, maybe in terms of hours, yes. Mm -hmm. But the time I get to be creative or allow myself to be creative will be more free. Like I have to worry less about all the implications of a certain idea. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about like... Oh, if I do this, am I going to be able to pay my rent? It's just like mm -hmm. that part is taken care of. And this whole thought has just like occupied a lot of my brain, mm -hmm. just like worrying about like the basic living expenses. Yeah. It just takes up a lot of energy. No, yeah. It's a huge source of anxiety, especially living in yeah. New York City where everything is so expensive. Yeah. And then freelancing, not knowing where your next paycheck is coming from, if you're going to work tomorrow or the next week. It's very scary. Absolutely. <laughs> so you'll have to report back about yeah. how that goes. <laughs> yeah. But I want for us to debate a little bit and talk about this question of creativity changing when you add money to the picture. So when we're working for someone to make money doing something creative it's different than if you're a photographer for yourself versus if you're a photographer being hired to do something yes 100 mm percent -hmm. if you're working for somebody else you have to think about so many things yeah making sure that they like what you're doing that you meet their needs you also want to build a relationship with them so they come back it's not like a one-off mm -hmm. which is very common at, at least for me you're a salesperson too yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that's probably true for any field of work, but like you can't offend anybody. Yeah. Even though sometimes you work with complete idiots. <laughs> yes. So it's always like politics. That's every job. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course, it's every job. Yeah. But also surprisingly, the film industry in New York, or at least the independent film scene is very, it's actually pretty small. Like once you get into it, you're like, talk to one person like oh yeah i know this and that guy and mm -hmm. it's just like your reputation travels pretty quickly yeah it does definitely i've been a creative video professional or whatever the word is yeah. i've been creating videos professionally for 10 years now mm -hmm. and having to do that it is a compromise but it's also something that I really enjoy doing because I'd rather spend more of my day. It's about like percentage of my time. I'd rather spend my time being creative, even if I have to compromise a few little things here and there, rather than not get a chance to be creative. And the only difference in creating my own projects is that I have the final say in it. So when I'm directing something, I am in charge of everything and make all the decisions and not have someone overseeing all of that. Mm -hmm. But that's an added weight on my shoulders as well. There's marketing. There's if I'm in charge, then I have to pay for all of it. It's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, that's true. And it depends what kind of project you're doing. For example, I do a lot of started again, getting really into photography just for myself, because that's the thing like I've always been a photography put on but i've never really made money being a photographer yeah so it's always been just something a passion i guess i have a problem with that word but i guess it's been a passion what problem <laughs> because it's negative uh, connotation to it when you get asked a lot of times to oh come on my passion project oh it means that they don't have money yeah <laughs> yeah you don't have to leave that part in no no I, we should leave it in because this happens a lot people say they have a passion project that yeah. they want people to work on it 
And in the freelance world and in New York City where everything is so expensive, that's not really fair. If it's your passion project, that's fine. You have to fund it or get crowdfunding. Make the money somehow because you have to pay your crew. I don't believe in not paying your crew. Even something. Like as much as you can pay them, I believe that it's good to do that. And the problem with passion projects is like, of course, everybody who has their own idea thinks it's the greatest idea ever. But in the grand scheme of things, there's a few very good ideas that are properly executed and a lot of mediocre ones. Well, I think, well, something I'm learning from that, the pitch class I'm taking at School mm-hmm. of Visual Arts is that every idea has been done before. So it's not yeah, that it's a course. bad idea. It's how do you articulate your idea and how do you package it and make it different and what's your spin on it? And it's mostly about how do you pitch it to other people so that they understand what you're saying? Because it can sound just like The Simpsons, for example, unless uh-huh. you give your spin on it. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're properly explaining how it's different, then it just sounds like every other idea. And that's where like the salesperson part of it comes into filmmaking, which, I mean, a lot of people don't like having to do any of that stuff. Yeah, and that's definitely a problem of mine, just doing the marketing and like getting things out there Mm -hmm. like having ideas and writing them down is i guess the easy part yeah but then executing them properly and getting them to be seen is a whole nother thing yeah which again yeah i I don't think i've I've actually finished that thought about photography Mm -hmm. and just doing stuff for yourself i'm just like putting stuff on instagram now and it's just been really rewarding i mean yes it's a social network and you can play the game and get more followers and whatnot but it's just i don't really worry about it too much Mm -hmm. i just put stuff on and be like i'm really excited when people like it and there's some really genuine comments on it and i'm like wow this is great so in that sense i can make stuff and not worry about any financial implications or like accomplishing anything it's something i can do completely by myself Mm -hmm. which is great in film you always need people definitely which is a good and a bad i mean it may mostly a good thing but it's always you need to get those people and going back to the passion project side of thing you want to compensate those people for their time and the space and And, food and All the million things that cost money when you're making a film. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder if, has there been any projects for you? And you don't have to say community TV. You don't have Mm -hmm. to. But have there been any projects for you that you enjoyed doing, even though they weren't completely your own? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You can't do anything by yourself. And most of my work, even stuff that that I've directed because I do a lot of music videos, are Mm -hmm. in collaboration with a musician. So, yes, it's sometimes my own idea. Sometimes it's a combined idea. But, yeah, no, absolutely. There's many projects that I've not been in charge of that I'm very happy about. Mm -hmm. And, sure, community TV is one of them. (laughs) You know, just for the record, I didn't pay you to say that. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I totally get that because there are a lot of projects that I've done for a client or for, you know, a music video or even marketing videos that I really enjoy doing. And then having that to show on my reel or on my website, I really am proud of those projects. And those are things that I couldn't have done by myself. I couldn't have conceptualized by myself. I couldn't have paid for by myself. But for me, that that trade off, I mean, yes, it's a compromise and you have to being in, you're not in charge of the project you are being hired but for me that just expands my body of work and it gives me more things to work on and a different perspective and 
things that I would have never explored on my own. And so for me, that is why I like doing video as my job. This is my job mm -hmm. every single day because every single job there is in the world is going to feel like work at some point. <laughs> Uh, yes, unfortunately so. Even filmmaking. Yeah. Even filmmaking, If you, even if it's your own project, there's one aspect of it. I know for myself, at least, there's one aspect of filmmaking for everyone that feels like work. Yeah. It's different for everyone, but no one likes every single aspect of their job. Yeah, that would be strange. <laughs> I really love marketing. <laughs> I mean, there are people who love marketing. Exactly. There are people who love to be a dentist, and I will never understand that. <laughs> yes. Hi, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think having a creative job is the luckiest thing. It's 100%. No job is perfect. And not every project or every day is going to be fun. But I'd rather know that my day job is something that I enjoy rather than just do something to pay the bills. I totally understand that. And I know a lot of people aspire to be full-time, either freelance or employed creative people. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's what I have been doing for the last couple of years. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I had. It's just important for me now to kind of find like a different kind of approach to what I'm doing because mm. like I said it's so easy to just get trapped in this rat race and you can't really plan a future yeah. at least not in the way I've been working so I just want to take a step back and look at the bigger picture so that's really the key thought behind all of this mm -hmm. and like I said there's absolutely projects that I've love doing that mm -hmm. i'm happy that somebody hired me or that i got onto them but it is difficult to strike that balance between stuff you just get paid because even as a freelancer there's so much stuff i make that i'm like i don't really care about personally mm -hmm. but it's good money so of course i'll do it yeah and just finding that balance is you don't really have any control over it so if i take that money equation out of it and just say I do whatever I feel like mm -hmm. creatively. I just have ideas. I don't restrict myself in any of them. I just write them down and see what is practical at the moment. Mm -hmm. That gives me freedom to have better ideas. At least that's what I hope. Yeah. And actually execute them because a lot of times there are ideas that are great, that are you can do them, but they don't get done because yeah. I have to do other projects, the timing isn't right. I had a project at the end of last year that I really wanted to make and we had basically everything lined up, but the timing just didn't work out because one of the main actors is not in the city anymore. He mm -hmm. went to a play somewhere in a different state. And so now it's on hold, but it's probably indefinite. Is that something you were directing? Yes. Okay. Yes something I was directing and it's a very intimate story mm -hmm. and I still want to make it but I'm not sure when or if that's going to happen yeah I mean that's the sacrifice we have to make sometimes I think to be creative people making money is sometimes the money has to come first unfortunately yeah it has to take priority it's sad <laughs> yeah it happens that's the thing like in, in the world we live in you mm -hmm. always have to deal with money in one way or another yeah i mean it's nothing that i'm particularly enjoy doing mm -hmm. it's a part of it it's a fun like puzzle solving game if you have a budget and you like you know you want to accomplish those things but you have to make a compromise on one end to get the other thing so yeah you can't get away from it mm -hmm. but you can or at least i 
am trying to minimize that okay. for the next couple months. Cool. Well, I want you to report back. Yes. Let us know how it's going. I think for me, because I took a little bit of a break a few months ago, just from, you know, doing as much as I was doing. I took a little bit of a break. And for me, it was figuring out that there is a second aspect to what I love doing. So I love making videos, but then I also love teaching. And so I gave myself a little break where I could just explore teaching for a bit and just kind of be able to focus on that and figure out what I love about it and kind of take that apart for myself. So a lot of it is just trying stuff out and seeing, you know, do mm -hmm. I love teaching kids? Do I love teaching adults? And figuring that out. And yeah. I That's mean, sometimes, yeah, you need to, for me, I needed to try those things out, try different ages see what i liked best and what i didn't like yeah because that's definitely something that i've been thinking about as well mm -hmm. the teaching filmmaking photography whatever because it's basically the only thing i know like the only thing i ever really learned to do and never had a job in any other industry mm -hmm. and teaching that would definitely i think it would be fun I don't know. You probably have more experience. Well, I think it's different for everyone. Yeah. Honestly. And it definitely depends on the group of people. Like, yeah, if you to teach middle schoolers or college students or like adults just in workshops. Yeah. That definitely makes a difference. But it's something that I would like to try at some point. Yeah. And I always say if there's something you you're not sure if you like doing to try it out, test it out, see what aspect of it you like, because there's a lot of different forms of teaching. Mm -hmm. So for me, trying out different age groups kind of narrows down oh maybe i don't want to go get a master's degree in teaching right now <laughs> you know and I'm, so i'm glad i did that so i didn't you know end up being in school right now and then realizing i don't really like this <laughs> mm -hmm. teaching kids kind of thing i mean for me it's two puzzle pieces the filmmaking and the teaching that i always try to have as the main part of my day and the main part of my career so I don't know. Maybe there's another aspect for you that you're going to find. And I hope you find it. Yeah, I hope so, too. What do you love about cinematography? I guess I got into cinematography because I think very visually. Like, I always have images in my head. And like I said, I started photography when I was like 13 or something. Mm -hmm. So it's just been like a natural progression for me. Mm -hmm. My goal, even though I was starting with stills, my goal was always to make moving images. And that's probably very influenced by my father, mm -hmm. since that's what his line of work was. And I'm not a writer. I direct. I know there's people who are directors. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yes. I know I'm lacking some skills in terms of like communicating ideas in words. Yeah. So being a cinematographer allows me to create things and tell stories, but not think as much about words and structure and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Just like create images. Yeah, you're showing people what you're thinking and what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely agree about some people not being directors and not being writers. And yeah, I mean, when you go to film school, especially if you study film production, like I did, they mm -hmm. try to teach all aspects of production. Yeah. I don't know that that's... I feel like that might be misleading to some people because when you get into the industry, you realize you have to pick one thing, usually. You have to strike a balance there because on the one hand, it's good to know the spectrum of what you can do. Yes. I mean, like before I really started working in this industry, I had no idea what all the different aspects are. I'm still sometimes looking at credits and be like, what are all these people doing? Yeah. So there's a giant spectrum of things you can do within the film industry, some mm -hmm. creative and some 
absolutely not creative. But you're right, like you have to kind of know what you want to do. And it's become really easy, actually, for people to just do everything for better or worse. So you have a lot of sort of one man shows that are just like written, directed, starring, produced. Yeah. By one person. Shot on an iPhone. Yeah, I know. I know. There's nothing wrong with those things. Not necessarily shot on an iPhone, but yeah. yes, it's just technology has allowed us to be a lot more free and just make stuff without mm-hmm. necessarily knowing how everything works. I don't know where this thought is going, but that's just <laughs> fact that has evolved over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, for me, bringing it up is to say, I don't think people need to worry about if they're not good at one aspect of it, they don't have to feel bad. Like yeah. if you're not a good writer, just don't be a writer. Like just do something else, you know, be an editor. <laughs> Absolutely. The key is everybody should get one chance at making their project. You know, if they want to do everything, God bless them. Mm-hmm. They can do everything, but learn from that experience and take that to the next one and be like, okay, I really conquered this part of it. And I, I was good at that. I enjoyed doing that. But the other parts I didn't really enjoy and maybe it could have been a lot better. So hire the people that can help you accomplish things. Or if you don't want to hire people, trim it down to a point where you can do it by yourself properly. And a lot of writers, though, have a problem. They find it a compromise to change their scripts to be something that they can shoot themselves. But I think that is the main aspect of being a good director and a good filmmaker is being able to compromise your script to still tell the story but be something that's manageable yeah absolutely there's a lot of scripts i've seen that are good scripts but are just like they have scenes in them but like there's just this paragraph max makes this really hard to do yeah especially i mean in new york one big hurdle is always location yeah because anything that looks decent costs you a lot of money Mm -hmm. and the other option is you just film in the street and filming in the streets of New York is a lot harder than you might think, especially if you're doing sound. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very, very true. Yes. Like you would be surprised once you start listening to just the general soundscape is you can't go 30 seconds without somebody honking or an ambulance yeah. or an airplane mm-hmm. or so, an air conditioner noise or something. Yeah, you have so many people, so many uh, noises here. So it's actually a lot harder to shoot somewhere outside than you might think. And then there's weather. Yes. That's a Which whole sometimes ends up working to your advantage. Yeah. I was shooting my Christmas movie, Give a Little, a few years ago, and it, mm-hmm. it happened to be snowing. And so it was perfect for like this one shot I was getting. But then there was other scenes that I needed uh, someone to look like they were from the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And I'm go. it's like a week before the holidays. I'm like, okay, we're going to go downtown. It's going to be perfect. There's a ton of them out there. And we go and none of them are out. Of course. And I'm like, where are they? Are they on strike? What is happening? So I had to go and then like, of course, set another day to shoot mm-hmm. and make an actor play the Salvation mm-hmm. Army where I actually had control over it instead of just assuming they're going to be out, which they were not. Yeah. <laughs> and I still don't know why they weren't out that day. <laughs> But it ended up working out much better. So, I mean, it's it's being flexible. I think that's a huge part of filmmaking, especially yeah. in New York City, where 
you want to shoot on the subway, you're not really supposed to. No. And then if that you get caught, you're not going to be able to film the rest of your scene. So just being yeah. flexible with this is why I think being an editor is so important to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like everyone should know how to edit even basic stuff just so that they can use that creative part of their brain of well, maybe I can rearrange certain things in this way, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on the editing part. It's also something that I've actually I learned to enjoy. Like I've never, at the beginning, I didn't enjoy that much. But it teaches you so much about what is necessary. What parts do you really need? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're in a situation where something goes wrong and you can't shoot it the way that you plan to. Yeah. And then you immediately have to think, okay, What's the solution here? How can I still get that? Or is it necessary? Can this be done in a different scene in a different location? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're completely stubborn about your script and know it has to be this way and it can't change, I can't change a line, then you just start, you can't shoot the rest of your scene. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was going to say, you better have a lot of money. Yes. (laughs) That's another option. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at the great directors of the last couple of decades, or mm-hmm. I mean, in general, uh, theater people as well, really successful people are not always the nicest and the most compromising. Okay, yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just the prime example, I think, is Kubrick. Mm-hmm. You can't argue with his movies, like every single thing he made is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But on a personal level, he was difficult to work with yeah as a family man apparently he was a very good husband and father Mm -hmm. but that's a different aspect i always try to think about that like i've worked with people that are arrogant they just don't back off from their idea and it's difficult to work with them but just because they are that way doesn't make them good filmmakers yeah you have to know when is it worth to just stand your ground and be like no this is how this has to be done Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's not what i want to say versus just being an asshole for for ego's sake for that yeah for ego's sake yeah yeah. and that's a huge part of being a director i mean i guess it's striking a balance between being perceived as mean and being perceived as strong and as a female there's another layer on top of it is being perceived as a bitch i can imagine yes (laughs) yes Uh, leaving that part out of it it's a huge part of it but leaving that part out of it as a director knowing what is the story you're trying to tell and what are you trying to come across with your film and then a lot of times for example a cinematographer will come in and they'll try to direct your project or they'll try to take over the -hmm. story and not really know where it's going or they just want to use this camera because they think it'll look good on their reel they have no regard for what your story is Uh uh-huh so that kind of situation and so that's when you have to put your foot down as a director and say no this is what it's about And that's why it's really important for me to have really good communication with my crew and tell them everything I'm thinking as much as I can, give them as much information as I can so that they can be on the same page. Yeah, communication is absolute key to any decent production and making something that that stands out. Yeah, and something that just gets made, period, because you're not communicating. There are projects that just don't get finished. True, very true, yeah. So I want to talk more about some cinematography stuff with you. Do you have any tips for people who want to become a cinematographer besides don't be a freelancer? No, my my prime tip is don't be a cinematographer. Why? Oh, my God, no. (laughs) It lessened in the last year maybe i don't really have hard data on that mm-hmm. it's just like my personal observation but 
with the DSLR revolution, a lot of people picked up cameras and became cinematographers. And just because you can buy a camera doesn't make you anything. Yeah, and, and the other side of this is it is really hard to be a full-time filmmaker. And it doesn't matter if you're a cinematographer or, or an art director or a writer or whatever. So in Austria, the the biggest film school, I went there once for, for an open house and the cinematographer teacher, he basically started his whole like, do you want to study here thing with 80% of the people in the film industry are unemployed. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> and it's probably not true in the States, but there are a lot of people aspiring to be creatives. And there are very few people who continue to be creatives. So what I'm trying to say is be sure that if that is what you really want to do and you can try out things. I mean, if you want to pick up a camera, shoot a couple of things, see if you like it. And if other people respond to that and say, this is really great, mm -hmm. I want to work with you again, then you maybe you can think about, okay, yeah, let's pursue this. On a more practical note of things mm -hmm. to become a cinematographer is just go out and film stuff. Yeah. Just like keep doing things. And especially in the beginning, it's hard to get on projects, just film and then edit so you know what is working and what isn't. And the other thing... So important to edit your own stuff. Yeah. And the other thing for me that's really important is learn about lighting and play around with lighting and mm -hmm. go try to get on other sets with experienced people and just see what they're doing. I think that's probably one of the best advices in any field of filmmaking is mm -hmm. get any job as low as possible doesn't matter what you do but just like observe professional people that know what they're doing that have been in mm -hmm. the industry for like 10 years that has taught me so much and just be quiet listen and learn yeah that is really a key for me and i think it's interesting what you said about 80 percent of filmmakers being unemployed and there's a lot of creative people who love being creative. They have all these passions and all these things that they're even good at, but they don't know how to bridge the gap into making money doing it. Yes. And that's why I've made this podcast. So that's why it's such a perfect conversation that we're having where you completely disagree with me. But <laughs> no, I don't think I disagree with you. I think we're just at different stages. Yeah. I think the thing that will bridge the gap for a lot of people is losing the ego it's saying i have ideas for projects and knowing that you can do those projects at any time but you have to be able to compromise and do other people's projects and maybe take a corporate job where you get to be a cinematographer or you get to be yeah. a filmmaker and yeah. yes you're not working on you know an hbo series but you are working every day doing filmmaking yeah. And your skills will still grow and you will still learn and you will still get better, but you might not be on as high profile projects as you had dreamed and you had imagined. So I think it's it's compromising sometimes, but absolutely, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, because, for example, I worked with a company last year. They have an in-house filmmaking department mm -hmm. and those people are just like employed by the company. And yes, they make corporate videos of just talking heads. Yeah. But they do have access to a lot of equipment and they had good equipment. Yeah. So they can, on the weekends, probably take it out and, and film their own stuff. So you, A, have a steady job and B, you know, have some perks with that. Yeah. So, 
not maybe the, the job description sounds boring but i'm sure you can get something out of it if you want to yeah and then being able to articulate your ideas is something that is very important for a lot of filmmakers even if you're working in a corporate environment you can still be creative and turn their project into something that you have fun doing yeah it could still be something just because it's a talking head video you can still make it fun still make it exciting make it modern yeah i've done that a lot yeah and if you are stuck in a line of work where you like want to be creative but you don't think you can yeah always think about how can i make this different exactly like one of my favorite quotes uh, which i actually don't know where that came from but is don't be better be different because everything has been done before and better is a very subjective term it is so if you're different you stand out people notice it you can be different for better or for worse but at least you tried <laughs> This is true. So your Instagram handle is at no robot yet. That's right. What is the story behind that? Oh, thanks for asking. I like robots. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm following the whole AI and robot evolution. I just I'm interested in that kind of field. If my parents weren't creative people, I might have become a scientist, but that's uh-huh. for another life. So we are maybe going into the world of becoming cyborgs the world is becoming more automated uh, mm -hmm. and we have to do less so it's just a little kind of nod towards that like terminator <laughs> yeah except the terminator is never going to happen <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> i mean yeah who knows who knows <laughs> there's a lot of back and forth currently about ai and robots and where it's headed mm -hmm. but we won't know until we know so you're working on a project i am working on a project that deals with those issues mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that i want to accomplish in the next year is getting this script ready i have a first draft which i'm lucky to work with a writer that really understands what i'm going for mm -hmm. and but we got that script so we've basically for most of last year we've just been working out uh, the outline all the basic plot points and then at the end of the year we finally got to a first draft okay. and now that's been sitting around just waiting to be dealt with just because both of us are working and making time for your own project is not always the easiest especially if it's not just you you have to line up two schedules ah. but yeah it's a sci-fi short near future about the implications of automation and a workforce that has less and less to do yeah that's true <laughs> all right so you're going to be leaving New York. Yes. How do you feel about that? Why are you leaving exactly? Why going back to Austria? We know all the stuff about you're taking a break. So Yeah, so I really love New York and it's been a great place to work. But the quality of life is, is lacking. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Austria. I grew up in Vienna and it's continuously in the top three of most livable places in the world yeah so i know what good living is yeah and so going back for a while just allows me to enjoy life a little bit more and not be surrounded by constant noise and have an hour commute just to meet a friend yeah so that's the reason why i'm heading out of the states amongst other things awesome well good luck to you in austria thank you report back we're gonna have an ongoing conversation on instagram on facebook about your progress and about can we make money doing what we love as creative people so 
keep us updated. I will do, yeah. And thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I want to hear from our listeners and fellow creative people. Where do you stand in this debate? As creatives, can we make money doing what we love? I want to hear your stories and your sides. So tweet me at Loudavision with the hashtag creative career or use that same hashtag on Instagram and show us your thoughts on this debate. Should we pursue a creative career or not? Join the conversation. You can follow Valentin on Instagram at no robot yet. And you can see his amazing work on his website valentinf.com I'll put all those links in the description below as for me I'm filmmaker artist and your host Laura Mioli you can connect with me getting creative tips and inspiration on social media Twitter Facebook Instagram at Loudavision and you can listen to more of these podcasts even subscribe and be the first to hear it by subscribing at SoundCloud read my blog watch my videos and contact me just go to loudavision.com and if you like what you've heard rate and review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, but don't go away since you like podcasts so much. Here's another podcast which you would love. I'll let them tell you about it. Hey y'all, I'm Courtney Hinton of VerbHouseCollective.com. Verve House Collective is all about creatives, entrepreneurs, and those who want to live an awesome life full of intention. Again, that site is VerbHouseCollective.com and we'd love to see you. Good morning, Indubians and future friends. I am T. Sterling Watson from the Indu Podcast, and I invite you to stop by and press play. The Indu Podcast is a little bit of everything, just like myself. Topics include entertainment, nerd culture, pop culture, intellectual chats, spirituality, music, or magic, if I misread my own handwriting. And you can find me on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, Spreaker, YouTube, Google Play, and, of course, Indube.com. The podcast and this ad is a 3SFX production.